0: Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee, because today we are going to be discussing the book of 1 Samuel. Howdy and good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and happy Friday. I hope you all are having a fantastic week so far. I have actually had a very good week for the most part. Just a nice relaxing week. I did not have a lot on my plate and that was uh, very good for me. So what have you guys been up to? I haven't heard from a lot of people recently, which makes me very sad. I, I love hearing from you guys. I haven't gotten a ton of emails. So tell me what is your favorite board game? Okay. Speaking of relaxation, what is your favorite board game? Or if you don't like board games, which I was once in that camp as well and still kind of am, (laughs) then contact me and tell me that also. What kind of games do you like to play in general? I am not a big fan of really in-depth board games, unless I'm particularly interested in the subject of the board game. Typically, I don't like very in-depth board games that you have to like learn and it takes forever to learn. I don't like that because that seems like work to me. When I play a board game, I I just want to be able to sit down, learn it pretty quickly and play it or go to one of the games that uh, I already know how to play. Now, something you guys might not know about me. I've never shared this before on the podcast. I am shockingly good at chess. And I say that with some pride because people don't think that I'm good at chess because of how dorky I am, I guess. (laughs) People, they look at me and they're like, nah, I can beat her. I've never played a person yet who I haven't been able to beat. Now, my husband is very good also. And so we give each other some competition when we end up playing. I can't play with my husband for very long because he irritates me because because he gets really, really good at games and I kind of peak at a certain point. And so he gets really good. And it ends up beating me every single time. So then I get really mad and I don't play with him for a very long time. Then once he forgets how to play it, I can play with him again. And uh, the cycle continues. So, yeah, my husband, he's very good at chess also and uh, can beat me quite a bit. And I can also beat him. So that is a game that I enjoy on occasion. I'm no chess master. And I know that if I ever went up against somebody who was a chess master, there's no way I could ever possibly beat them. But I do enjoy a good game of chess every once in a while. So tell me what your favorite game is and what game you're really good at as well. I'd like to hear about that. So let's read First Samuel chapter 13, 1 through 14 today. This is a portion of scripture, I think, that is going to be very, very interesting to you guys, because this is going to discuss a really, really big sin that Saul ends up committing very quickly, right off the bat of him becoming king almost. So let's read this. I'll be reading out of the WEB as usual, but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer. And let's read First Samuel 13, 1 through 14. Saul was 30 years old when he became the king. And he reigned over Israel 42 years. Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, of which 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mount of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. He sent the rest of the people to their own tents. Jonathan struck the garrison of the Philistines that was in Giba, and the Philistines heard of it. Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, "Let the Hebrews hear!" All Israel heard that Saul had struck the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel was considered an abomination to the Philistines. The people were gathered together after Saul to Gilgal. The Philistines assembled themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash, eastward of Bethaven. when the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were distressed. Then the people hid themselves in the caves, in thickets, in rocks, in tombs, and in pits. Now some of the Hebrews had gone over the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. He stayed seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. Saul said, bring the burnt offering to me here and the peace offerings. He offered the burnt offering. It came to pass that as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines assembled themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, I said, now all the Philistines will come down on me to Gilgal and I haven't entreated the favor of Yahweh. I forced myself therefore and offered the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of Yahweh your God, which he commanded you, for now Yahweh would have established your kingdom on Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. Yahweh has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and Yahweh has appointed him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept that which Yahweh commanded you. So some of you guys listening to this might be like, well, what's the big deal? Why Was this a sin that Saul committed for offering a burnt offering? What's the big deal? So we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's get into verses one through six approximately. So it says that Saul became the king when he was about 30 years old and he reigned over Israel for 42 years. And so during this time period, it says that Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, of which 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the Mount of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. So Jonathan was actually Saul's son. And Jonathan had to have been very young at this point in time, but showed a lot of promise in leading a military. So we don't know exactly how long this took place after Saul became the king officially, but this couldn't have been more than a few years after Saul originally became king. So immediately almost Saul sets up this organized military. And this is the first time Israel has an organized military because one of the benefits actually to having judges instead of the kings was that the Israelites didn't have to have a formed military because the judges would call on people as were needed. So the Israelites didn't have an organized military until Saul decides that that is necessary for for Israel. So it says that Saul takes 2000 men for himself and then gives 1000 to Jonathan, his son. And very soon after, it says that Jonathan actually takes his 1000 men and goes to Geba, where the garrison of the Philistines was, and he struck it is what it says. And he destroyed that particular garrison of Philistines. Here's what it says in verse three. Okay. Jonathan struck the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear, in verse 4, all Israel heard that Saul had struck the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel was considered an abomination to the Philistines. So... <laughs> So Saul just like takes total credit for it. He's just like, yeah, you know, I totally struck that garrison of the Philistines. Listen, Israel, I did it. And he's like blowing this trumpet or having one of his messengers blow this trumpet. And everybody believes that Saul was the one who struck this garrison of the Philistines, even though it was Jonathan. So this actually goes back to Saul's personality. Because if you guys remember how Saul was, he was a very humble man almost to the point of self deprecation. Okay. So he had this like deep insecurity about himself, even though he was very handsome, he still was so insecure about himself for whatever reason. We don't really know why, but you can see that with his personality. Like he was just very, very insecure. And so now he's soaking up all this praise. He's taking the cred for like going and striking this garrison and just soaking up all the praise and not giving his son, his own son, the credit for what Jonathan actually did. And so the Israelites heard that Saul had struck the garrison of the Philistines and also that Israel was considered an abomination to the Philistines. So all of a sudden, you know, the Philistines hates the Israelites so much. And that is because now the Israelites have a king They are starting to win battles again. They are not just allowing the Philistines to take total control over them anymore. And so now the Philistines absolutely hate the Israelites because of the king, most likely. So the people, it says, gather together after Saul to Gilgal. So for some reason, Saul is still in Gilgal. Okay, that was where he got coronated. And he's just kind of hanging out there. And the Philistines, it says, assembled themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand, which is on the seashore in a multitude. So in other words, there was a lot of Philistines. They all hated the Israelites. Now they are all unified against the Israelites. They are coming out to destroy the Israelites completely. They bring all of their weapons. They bring all of their fighters, all of their people, all of their chariots, all of their horses, everything they can to come and destroy Israel. So they set up camp against Israel is what it says. And so they encamped in Michmash, which was eastward of Beth Avon. And so the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble is what it says. The people were greatly distressed. So suddenly all these fighting men, when they see the number of Philistines that's coming up against them, they start fleeing. Okay. So they're deserting from the military. They're hiding in rocks. They're hiding in crevices. They're hiding in thickets is what it says. They're hiding everywhere. Some of them even cross over the Jordan River to go into the land of Gad and Gilead. Okay, so they're even like leaving the promised land to go to the other side to find safety there. So all these people are just scattering when they see the Philistine army that is up against them. And so the people are trembling, they're in fear, they are realizing that their king that they wanted so badly is not fixing their problems. In fact, in some ways, the king is making their problems worse, because now the Philistines hate the Israelites even more than ever before. And it even says that Saul's own men followed him trembling. So even his fighting warriors start trembling when they see the Philistines. So Saul, it says, stayed in Gilgal for seven days. And apparently Samuel said that he would meet Saul in seven days to offer a sacrifice to God for Saul and for the fighting men to go up against the Philistines. So it says that in verse 8, Saul stayed seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel didn't come to Gilgal and the people were scattering from him. So Saul has a problem. His people are no longer following him. And for a man that is deeply insecure and can't even give his own son some credit for what his son did. This is a bad, bad problem for Saul. Okay. For somebody who is that insecure. So he takes matters into his own hands. It says, he says, Bring the burnt offering to me here and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. So Saul decided to become the high priest of Israel. Now, there's several reasons why this was super wrong. Okay, the first reason is that Saul was not a priest. He was a king. That's the first problem. He was not a Levite. Only Levites could offer the burnt offering. And you might be like, well, wasn't Samuel not a Levite? It says in the the scriptures that he was an Ephraimite. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't a Levite because there were a ton of Levites at that point in time when Samuel was born living in Ephraim. So it's very possible that Samuel was a Levite who his family just lived in Ephraim. And that was very, very common for that to happen. And also, you guys remember Samuel's mother, Hannah, who prayed for Samuel because she couldn't have kids. She prayed to God for a son and told God, if you give me a son, I will leave him to do service at the temple. I will basically leave him to become a priest. So why would Hannah pray that prayer if she knew that she couldn't leave her son to be a priest at the temple because he was an Ephraimite or something like that. So, most likely, Samuel was a Levite who lived in Ephraim. And I just want to make that very clear. Going back to Saul, though, Saul was certainly not a Levite. Okay. It says specifically what his clan was. If you go back a few chapters, he was a Benjamite. So he was not a Levite. The second reason that this is a sin was because God had already granted Saul so much power as the king, but Saul didn't have absolute power. He wasn't allowed to be both the king and the high priest of Israel. That's the second reason it was sin. The third reason it was a sin was because there already was a high priest of Israel and Saul was going above the high priest Samuel to offer this burnt offering. He was trying to usurp authority over what God had ordained. Samuel was the high priest, Saul was not. And lastly, he disobeyed because Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel. It could have been that Samuel was detained, it could have been that Samuel sinned and just didn't show up on time, it could have been that as well. Or it could have been that Samuel got sick. Who knows what happened and why Samuel was late. But for some reason, he was late. And Saul decides that he is going to become the high priest over Samuel and to offer this burnt offering against the will of God. This was a very, very big deal. And so Saul offers this sacrifice to God and Samuel minutes later (laughs) It says, as Saul was finishing up the burnt offering, Samuel walks up. So even though Samuel was late, he was not that late. Like he did show up minutes after Saul was finished with the sacrifice. So here's what it says in verse 10. It came to pass that as soon as Saul had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? (laughs) So Samuel knows immediately that Saul has done something wrong. Firstly, because he can probably smell the burnt offering. Secondly, he can probably see the burnt offering because it was still burning maybe. And thirdly, maybe God told him that Saul had done something wrong. So Samuel knew immediately that Saul had sinned greatly. He says, what have you done? And so then Saul gives all these different excuses. He says, the people were scattering from me. You didn't come within the time appointed. The Philistines are assembled over at Michmash. And I said, the Philistines are going to come down on me in Gilgal. They're going to, you know, kill all of my people. They're going to kill me. And so I was forced to offer this sacrifice. That's what he says. I haven't entreated the favor of Yahweh. I forced myself therefore and offered the burnt offering. It's like just drama. It's like drama, like dripping from Saul. Okay. So he's giving every excuse in the book. Okay. To to Samuel. And this is how you know that Saul knew that he did something wrong. This is how you know, because he didn't ask, did I do something wrong? I didn't know. Because that is how people act when they didn't know that they did something wrong. They don't give a ton of excuses. They say, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I did something wrong. Saul knew he did something wrong. Saul knew he was sinning. And yet he still went ahead and did it. And the reason I think Saul went ahead and did it was because, once again, he was an extremely insecure man. He saw that he was losing control of the people. He didn't want to wait for Samuel, even though Samuel was late and that could have been wrong on Samuel's part, but Saul didn't want to wait. And so he decides to take matters in his own hands and become the high priest of Israel. And so he knew, he knew that he did something wrong. And so Saul says, he gives all these excuses. I forced myself therefore and offered the burnt offering. It doesn't seem like he forced himself that much, actually. Seems like he was pretty willing to do it. So Samuel says to Saul, You have done foolishly, which he had. Saul was extremely foolish in this because you don't mess with the things of God. You don't mess with the things of God. God put those ordinances in place for a reason, for the good of humanity. And Saul was indeed foolish. You have not kept the commandment of Yahweh your God, which he commanded you. For now Yahweh would have established your kingdom on Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue. Yahweh has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and Yahweh has appointed him to be prince over his people because you have not kept that which Yahweh commanded you. So Saul is a very interesting character because from the very beginning, you can see that Saul did not really have a heart toward God. He was not interested in the ways of God because the first time you meet Saul in scripture, he didn't even know who Samuel was, the high priest of Israel and the judge of Israel. He had no clue. So clearly Saul had no interest in the ways of God. And so now that's coming out again. You can see here that Saul once again has no interest in really following Yahweh because he never really did have an interest in it. And even though God gave him a new heart, that doesn't mean that Saul isn't going to sin and go back to his old ways. What does it say that old habits die hard? I mean, Saul was inclined to go back to his old way of thinking Because he was an insecure man who was beginning to lose the people's favor. And so because of that, he needed to find a way to gain the people's favor once again. And this is how he does it. He sins against God. So that is why we as Christians are not supposed to try to impress people. Because when we try to impress people, we are going to fail in our Christian walk. Because Christianity is not popular and it's never going to be popular because it is the opposite of pleasing oneself. Christianity is all about serving God. Like literally that's what it's about. And when we serve God, we're not serving ourselves, we're serving God. So it's never going to be popular to not serve ourselves. That is why we do not as Christians Try to please other people because when we do, we will fail in our Christian walk. And on top of that, we'll cause way more problems for ourselves than we even needed because people are always going to fail us. People are so fickle, they're always going to fail us. So, why try to impress people when they will turn on you the second they possibly can? There is only one person we should be trying to impress because he will never ever fail us or be fickle or turn his back on us. All right, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you share it on your social media platforms and tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists and also write a review. Those are excellent ways to get the podcast out to more people. Check out all of the links listed in the description of this podcast episode. I hope to see you guys next week on Monday for another episode out of First Samuel. But I hope that you all have a fantastic weekend. Happy listening and God bless.